This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law with 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Melton Law won't back down. And we want to give a shout out to crime prevention, worry less with crime prevention security systems by preventing package theft with their Dobra camera. Contact them today at cpss.net. I just upgraded my system in the command center here with crime prevention and took out the telephone lines. I think it's time to ditch the conventional telephone line, crying out loud. You know, does anybody use it anymore except to fend off solicitors? And of course, we want to thank the law office of Maurice T. McDaniel for sponsoring the mugshots, which get 45,000 views a month. Well, well, well. And we, of course, have our other sponsors we acknowledge at the half of the hour. And we'll keep uh, hoping we'll get more of you all to sponsor us and as well donate to us. Donations, believe it or not, really help out because we have things that we're working on. And every once in a while, we get stuck with a public records request, um, monetary pile of money and all that business. You know how that works. Good morning, Jim Murphy, a uh, great supporter of the show. We um, have so much to talk about. I appreciate if you tuned in yesterday to the Coach Hall locker room, our interview with Liam McGriff. I found it very, very entertaining to myself anyway. Uh, hopefully, therefore, to you too. And uh, really very, very relaxing and enjoyable. A little bit different from what I do here when I bring you uh, the controversial topics that are going on in our culture. I've titled the show today, uh, The Worm Turns, because I guess you know what that expression means. The worm turn means that the meek and the mild and the patient and the long-suffering have finally had enough, and they're going to come back and uh, uh, um, return to the scene and push back and rise out of the dirt, this, that, one, another and cause you all sorts of problems, and uh, you've pushed them too far. That's basically the paraphrase of the phrase, the worm turns. And I think that's where we are right now. We'll get into that, of course, with the Twitter takeover and some other things that are going on to indicate that enough is enough. So I want to cover a couple of things locally for you that I know you tune in to here because you don't get it in depth anywhere else. And um, that is, of course, the election bill, which is local and statewide, okay? Local and statewide. So um, uh, we uh, uh, have a uh, significant part in that, we think. Uh, here we've been uh, uncovering this uh, voter beep, and uh, we've been pushing that on up to Tallahassee. So when we push it up to Tallahassee, it accumulated, it accumulated, along with some other things that were happening. And with a very strong governor who is part of the Worm Turns movement, we now have a press release from the office of the governor, which I'll go through with you today because he signed um, the Senate Bill SB 524 to ensure that Florida has secure and accurate uh, elections. So I want to go over that a little bit with you and talk about uh, an update locally on our uh, contributions, perhaps, to that um, uh, signing of the bill by the governor. So um, we now have, of course, the big focus of all this has been uh, the, the ability to abuse and the lack of accountability, the proliferation of absentee ballots. The absentee ballots were problematic from the beginning. And if you want to believe it was well uh, researched by Zuckerberg, then you'll realize by looking at the money he gave primarily to Democrat-run supervisors of elections, you'll see that those supervisors, including our very own Kim Barton, 
used the bulk of it for uh, sending out more absentee ballots. And on the form, she was asked, uh, and we have it, I think we've published it over on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, uh, when she was asked if she had any knowledge of accountability or any kind of authenticity checks and balances on those ballots, she said no. That's her answer on that form, as I recall it. We can check the form out. It's on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. I'm going to check it and make sure it's there. If it's not there, we'll get it out there. But this has been working and building. It's been a long, long research process on our part. Uh, I want to thank the, our, our data investigator that the press has called him, and I think that's a pretty good description of him, uh, Mark Glazer. He has been diligent and absolutely uh, unswerving about pursuing what was just really kind of a routine accidental discovery in what we call in medical world um, uh, an unintended discovery uh, of something you weren't looking for and in the process of looking for something else, you find that an incidental discovery. So we found this incidental discovery and be golly, it was much bigger than what even appeared to meet the eye. Uh, I'm gonna give you an update on that in a moment. But basically what has happened with this bill, it aims to end ballot harvesting. Now, ballot harvesting all is really a racket. Uh, there's just no other way to say it. And they've been getting away with it in the name of, well, if you're against val ballot harvesting, then you must be for voter suppression. That's the way the left has played it. And the worm has turned. Uh, we've come back and said, way, ho, ho, ho. All we want is authenticity, accountability, and we want uh, fair and uh, open elections. So uh, the mass mailing of ballots, um, the ballot harvesting, uh, we no longer, with the state of Florida, as I understand the bill, we no longer will have drop boxes where somebody can come by at anyone's time and one person can drop, oh, 50, 60, however many ballots in a box and nobody's around to know who that person was, where they came from, that sort of thing. We're not going to have drop boxes. We're not going to have the mass mailing of ballots. We're not going to have ballot harvesting. And uh, this is going to as the bill says, it's banned Zuckerbucks, which is to say it's banned private money contributed to public elections. I don't know who, mad genius. Of course, I've been, you know, counseling the Republicans that you guys just aren't cynical and sinister enough. You know, it's one of the problems with Hamlet. Hamlet can't imagine the depths of evil that he's fighting. He's fighting uh, a King Hamlet's brother who killed King Hamlet, Claudius. And Claudius's depth of evil is so vast and uh, that, that most people can't even conceive of it. it. Because being not evil themselves, they don't know how to even begin to think like evil. And so Hamlet is on uh, his heels constantly as he tries to bring Claudius to justice. And this was a fantastic play by Shakespeare, exploring all the things which we're looking at now, uh, discovery and transparency and accountability. And, but primarily, the question boils down in Hamlet to can good defeat evil without becoming evil itself? And by that, we mean beginning to think as evil would think so that you can therefore combat it effectively. A comparable moment for many of you, maybe I'm dating myself now, who may have seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid have run down deep into Mexico, but they can't seem to shake this latest posse that is tracking them. And they're not sure why, because most of the time, always they've been able to shake the posses. They've been able to get away from the posses, outthink the posses. And they look at the posse that's coming toward them in Mexico, and the lead guy leading the posse is on a white horse, and he's a master criminal that the regular people have sort of hired because he thinks like a criminal. He therefore knows what a criminal would do. He knows how to track a criminal, and he leads the posse of good guys, being a bad guy himself, directly to the bad guys. It's really something that police work knows. Much of police work depends upon informants. Much of police work depends upon 
making a deal with the bad guys and the bad guys, sometimes you got to pay them. Uh, you pay them and they squeal and, and then you got to protect them, but you don't change them. They're still bad guys. So um, this is the situation with the Republicans fighting the Democrats over fair and open elections. Uh, Zuckerberg, Berg, Bucks, however you want to say it, is one of the things that happened. Private money infiltrating, influencing, tipping the scale on public elections. That stopped in the state of Florida with this bill. And it's devoted more resources to make the bad guys uh, accountable. Uh, that's one of the problems is once you find the bad guys, how are you going to hold them accountable? There's no way right now to hold Zuckerberg accountable for Zuckerbucks. It just seems that that was a clever thing on his part, uh, that the Republicans were unsuspecting, naive, however you want to say it, uh, too good to understand how that evil mind would work if that's the way you want to frame it, and uh, therefore can't compete with that group. Well, now there's been enough information come to Tallahassee from sources like ours that have discovered documental, documentable examples of the very thing that the left would have you believe never happened. And uh, we've got the evidence. And so uh, we have been contributing our share of coal to the furnace, if you will. So uh, this is all about elections integrity. And um, we want to make sure that every Floridian, the bill says in the press release, has a confidence in the Florida election process. You know, this woke ideology has, and I'm going to cover this, this uh, today in other parts of our society has infiltrated education. It's even infiltrated medicine. And I'm going to get to that story in just a moment. Don't think it hasn't. So uh, right now, Florida is the leader. I suppose just behind us is Texas with Abbott. Uh, he's a pretty bold guy himself. He's not going to take it any longer. He's, uh, he's, uh, his, his people suffer from Biden's abuse of the borders. Um, this thing with the uh, of number 42 and rolling back this immigration thing is going to be hotly contested, believe me. So we'll see how this works out. But um, this is a, a very, very well run election is what we're looking for because we don't want the same thing to happen again because even though people are saying, oh boy, it looks like the Republicans go this and that, don't you trust it for one moment? My experience and perhaps yours as well has been that you can't change a liberal's mind. In fact, I was uh, advised yesterday by a good friend of mine who uh, evidently watches the show quite a bit, says, you know, we can't call these people on the liberal side stupid. We just really probably should, because many of them are. Many of them are very smart. In fact, it's been my dismay that a lot of the, uh, the liberal ideology here in this community are, is believed by the, some of the smartest people in the community. So how is it they get so far off base? It's probably because they only hear what they want to hear. And they probably because they have a lot of misinformation or information that serves their purpose. And therefore, they do not deviate from what they want to believe. So it's really probably not that they're stupid. Uh, they're very, very smart. I would say I agree with my listener. They're very, very smart. They're so smart that they know how to work the system. And this was the problem with Hamlet and Claudius. Claudius was so smart and so single-minded about acquiring power, which is what the play is about, acquiring power at any and all uh, expense. And how do, you, how do you have checks and balances for that? It's a classic. It's probably one of the finest thought processes any human being ever went through to write it. So, uh, uh, the bill is also going to establish an Office of Election Crimes and Security within this Department of State. So now there's going to, before now, there's never been, according to the press release, and we know this because we've been involved, a dedicated office to investigate all election crimes in Florida. We uh, have found this to be the case. We went to FDLE. FDLE has other things it has to do as well. And so it took a long time, but they did deliver. They did deliver. They came through. Uh, they talked. Uh, they found the 
that to what we said to be true. They investigated it thoroughly and made a statement, a very strong statement at the conclusion of their findings. So this will free them up and you'll have a de dedicated office to do nothing but investigate election crimes in Florida. And uh, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement received positions and resources in the budget this year to support this. So uh, they're going to be partnering with the Office of Election Crimes and Security, and there'll be a budget for it. So perhaps guys like us at Scott Files and our data investigator, we won't have to roll this rock up the hill by ourselves, where we just you know, had to, through constant belief and constant documentation and, and perseverance and commitment, uh, kept this thing. Um, uh, hello, Harmon. Thank you, sir. I've been thinking about you. Uh, George Grandy and I talked about you last night. I'll call you Harmon. Uh, the the, um, the, the uh, uh, Office of Elections, uh, Crimes and Security now have become a standard here. And thinking of my good friend Harmon Wages who's watching, and uh, it makes me wonder about the state of Georgia and whether they'll get uh, their act together. But what this bill also requires, and we've been talking about this, it's a voter registration rolls that never get looked at. That's how these guys were able to uh, get by once they had been registered by T.J. Pichet in the jail. Uh, then they were free to vote because nobody went back and checked uh, uh, their registration against their felony uh, status. So the bill now is going to require a voter list maintenance to be conducted annually so the Kim Bartons are going to have to get off their derriere and quit passing the buck and quit saying, oh, it's the clerk of the court's responsibility. Um, speak no evil, hear no evil. No, now it's going to be put squarely in the wheelhouse of the supervisor of elections in order to combat this possibility of beep voting. OK, so there's some teeth in this thing, boy. I tell you, I am proud of DeSantis. Uh, th there is some real teeth in this thing. And finally, uh, the bill is going to require the Department of State to recommend a plan on how to strengthen ID requirements for mail-in ballots. We've got ID when you show up in the little cubicle. But how are we going to strengthen and ensure and uh, guarantee that the mail-in ballot came from the person uh, it claims to have come from? So once again, there's an attempt to a cinch down or close the loophole on the absentee ballot world, which is the leaky part of the boat. Um, so the Department of State is going to is going to be required to submit a report on the plan and draft legislation for any statutory changes needed to implement this plan by February 1st, 2023. It won't be around in time for uh, fall 2022, but you can bet your bottom dollar it will be around in time for the next presidential go around. Um, then, and then the plan was going to have a, a, try to prescribe the use of a Florida driver's license or a Florida identification card number, a social security number, or any part thereof to confirm the identity of each elector returning a vote by mail ballot. That's all in the press release by uh, DeSantis' world. And boy, is it, it, is it ever a, a welcome a, a, a welcome press release. It's really something I think that you'll uh, realize that we've taken part in the creation of. One of the next thing on my list here is to give you an update on our inmates voting here. Now, this is the plot thickens here. This gets kind of interesting if you uh, pay attention to this sort of thing. And if you've been following us, the plot is thickening because uh, we now have the three guys who have reacted to the fact that uh, they are now uh, uh, being arrested for uh, fraud. Well, I can't say that word. Beep voting. Okay. So um, the, the, I'm going to show. I'm going to talk to you just briefly about them. It's all public information. Uh, there is uh, uh, Terrace County is in a state prison, but he has requested resolution. Uh, he has a detainer letter, which I'll read to you. Kelvin Bolton has pled not guilty at his appearance yesterday, as I think it was. Um, there are six others who are incarcerated at various state prisons 
with active detainers upon release. Uh, so uh, they they will probably, if they lawyer up or if they have their own jailhouse lawyers, which frequently they do, uh, they'll try to get their sentences to serve concurrently. None of this really is good news for T.J. Pichet because these guys are not going to go down without a, without a fight. Uh, here is, uh, have here uh, the uh, circuit court of the 8th Judicial Circuit here, uh, John Boyd Rivers. He, uh, through an undersigned counsel, has um, decided to contest his uh, arrest, and he will have a, a lawyer. Um, he is putting the court on notice that, as I say, he's not going to go down without a fight. Here is a handwritten letter uh, from Terrace Coney. He says, uh, and I'll read it to you, it's public record. I'm contacting your office, handwritten. I'm contacting your office in order to rectify. Now, either he wrote it or his liar wrote it for him or wrote it on a piece of paper and he copied it. Uh, if he's this literate and writing these sentences, more power to him. But I hear a liar behind him ghostwriting this for him, but be that as it may, that's okay. It's addressed to the Lodgeville County Clerk of the Court. Uh, I am contacting your office in order to rectify, great word, huh? Uh, an active detainer for my person. Wow, this guy can say this kind of things by himself? I don't know. I am currently incarcerated. Oh boy, okay. It is my supreme desire to have this issue resolved by the time I exit uh, EOS from prison. I want to leave prison a free man, putting my criminal past away and embarking on my new life without any criminal influence. Please serve me with the information charging affidavit. I also agree to be served by U.S. mail, respectfully submitted uh, Terrace Connie. Um, this is most interesting because the gentleman is saying, uh, I'm not uh, going to want to get out of jail having served my time for what I did, which, by the way, T.J. Pichet should have known about, um, one would think, uh, and, 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 and then have to have this hanging over my head. I'm just going to want to come to court right now, bring me down in shackles and chains if I have to. It's not in the letter, but transport me to the, back to Gainesville, and I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take my wraps now so that I don't I do my kind of do my time concurrently. So there's a lot of things going on here uh, more than meets the meets the the amateur eye. Larry J. Ross remains at large. So he's going to have to be picked up at some point and we'll have to see what his reaction is. It is the most interesting. The worm turns the plot thickens of uh, this is not these people are not going to go away. Uh, without a, a little bit of a battle, here is uh, Kelvin Bolton, plea of not guilty. Now, that's interesting because, you see, I always thought, I always thought that the moment you took the fifth, you were admitting you were guilty. You just wanted, didn't want to testify against yourself. So we know somebody here is guilty. But Kelvin Bolton says he's not guilty. T.J. Pichet has said, I'm not talking. So what, what's the truth here? What's the truth? Because here's the plea of not guilty. I'll read it to you. And he's got a lawyer, public defender, Evan Gardner. Comes now the defendant, Kelvin Bolton. I love, now. I love that. Comes now. Comes now. The defendant, Kelvin Bolton, buying through the undersigned counsel, pursuant to rules 3.160 and 3.170 of the Florida Rules of Criminal Procedure, that enters a written plea of not guilty to the offenses charged in the above-styled case. By such plea, the defendant waives formal arraignment herein and reserves the right to file appropriate motions to said cause within 10 days from the date hereof. And it's signed by his lawyer, his public defender. Well, well, well. Well, 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 what a long tail my cat has. I mean, come on, my, my good friends. Uh, I, I suspect, uh, you know, the guy is kind of indignant. I mean, you know, wouldn't you put yourself in, 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 in kind of his shoes and say, what are you doing hauling me in and claiming that I'm guilty 
when a when an agent of the office of the state of Florida, T.J. Pichet, outreach director, with the blessing of Kim Barton, after Kim Barton had said, "Don't do it," in an email we have we shared with you, he did it anyway. So now it looks as if Barton probably would be wise to throw T.J. Pichet under the bus, but he went and did it anyway. And what did he do depends upon who heard what he did, what was the understanding of those he did it uh, to, et cetera. All that's got to be, you know, fleshed out, if, if you will, for the public. And we get to the truth because all we want to get to is the truth. But the fact remains, it's highly unusual to think that these guys would have gone up there and said to Mr. Pichet before they signed the document, now, wait a minute, Mr. Pichet. Uh, I'm McFellan, not just once, but several times. Are you sure I'm allowed to do this? See, they're not, you know, why would they, why would they do that if a guy is standing there with a clipboard saying, oh, come on, do it? You know, this is the great, this is what's got to be really looked at. And so it looks as if maybe we'll get this out somewhere, somehow. I mean, these guys could gang up and together if somebody put their testimony all together and they have quite a, quite a little army of, of people to testify. So it's, it's, um, it, you know, all of this, my friends is, is, has to do in its own way with the establishment by the governor of the Florida elections, uh, a law. It's, it's pretty clear to us that that's, uh, that's what's, that's what's happened. And, uh, and you know, it, it's time it did happen because, we were able to document such abuses of it, such tremendous abuses of it. Now, the other thing that's come out of the uh, bill, and Keith Perry has put this out, is the congressional maps. Now, you're hearing all this. This, this always is interesting to me. You're hearing, uh, you're hearing people say, well, these congressional maps are racist because they eliminate these um, enclaves of black voters. Let me, you know, I want to get something straight. Do you use the black voter thing when you want to use it? And then do you complain about it when you don't want to use it? In other words, what's the truth? Do you want to remain segregated, which is what you're saying you want when you want a black district? You're really saying you want segregation. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. You're really saying you want segregation. I want to be segregated. I want to be known as a black on community or group or whatever. No white guys here, any statistical significance. And we want to be able to vote as blacks. On the other hand, what you hear, well, we must have diversity and inclusion. Except, of course, if you listen to this double think, in the black voting box. Oh, you don't want any diversity to include in there, do you? How's that work? Explain to me how that works. I mean, that, I mean, come on. Mama didn't raise no fool. So you don't want diversity and inclusion and equity when it comes to a black district. But you do want it when it comes to everything else under the sun. I don't get it. If anybody out there in listener viewer land can explain that to me, um, you be uh, you know thank you very much because I don't get it. I don't see how you can have it both ways. Either all of us assimilate into life and become citizens, notwithstanding quote unquote our DNA or our any other thing you wanted to, to use to to label us, or we don't. So. If you want a, a black district, then we want a white district. Do we? But that's what you're complaining about. It's okay for us to have a black district, but it's not okay for you to have a white district. How about if we don't color code the districts for a change, which is what DeSantis is trying to do. But the media comes along. And for the purposes of, I don't know what, selling papers, you know, you know, I guess, I guess. I don't know what else they do. They stir up trouble to make money, I guess, by having these inflammatory half-baked headlines, which I'm going to get into after the break. 
another one that's really irritating us here locally. And I'll get into after the break a little bit more of an upshot of these congressional maps and Keith Perry's uh, uh, um, uh, announcement press release. So that's where we are right now. It's an interesting, and the worm is turning. And by that, we mean we've been patiently putting up with this and patiently putting up with it. And finally, we've had enough. I mean, we're just not going to take it anymore. Those who are we? We who are all for giving people the benefit of the doubt, uh, being uh, educators and teaching uh, and being besmirched because we don't do it according to some ideology. Um, you know, we've had enough of that. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files, and we're going to get around to playing you something sooner or later. It's funny about the Twitter takeover as soon as I clean up a little bit more about the local. Right back on the Ward Scott Files. Please hang around. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me. Help. Help. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Melvin Law Studio. And we are, of course, going over some of the local ramifications of DeSantis' bill signing. Um, just something I'm uh, quoting here out of Keith Perry's newsletter. Uh, we're wondering how many people are coming to Florida. We keep hearing it anecdotally. I sit on the porch. People sit out here, talk about it. We talk about it at the store, the gasoline pump, and uh, or the electric charging station. And uh, just to give you some data, it's come out of Perry, Senator Perry's newsletter. Um, there's an unequal distribution of population growth. Uh, the 2020 census revealed this across Florida's congressional districts, which the legislature used. Uh, districts are supposed to be adjusted to comply with the one person, one vote principle. And according to the 2020 census, uh, 21,538,187 people resided in Florida as of April 1, 2020. That's 20 almost 20, well, 21 and a half million people. Now that's a population growth of uh, 27, um, 2, 000, 2, 36, from 2010 to 2020. So it's a 15% increase from 2010 to 2020, in case you're wondering why there's so many houses being built, by the way, while roads are not, and uh, what's the story? Well, for the last 10 years covering that, there's been about a 15% increase in Florida's population. I suspect, given the political um, close-mindedness of these Yankee states and the influx we're seeing of people coming, that's going to be a far greater per increase, percentage increase this next uh, decade. And it's going to be uh, vastly different in terms of trying to 
uh, maintain carved out special interest districts because it's just not going to, that's old hat. That's, 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 that train has left the station. That's history. We've got to adjust for what's coming in the future. And that's going to be truly diverse. It's going to have a lot of different types of people. So uh, this, this is a, uh, uh, a very interesting analysis of the population growth in the state of Florida just in the last 10 years. Now, one of the things that the administration Tallahassee did this time is it uh, had took action on what's called independent special districts, the most famous of which, of course, is Reedy Creek. And it revoked Walt Disney Company's ability to self-govern. And, you know, I was here, lived in that area when Disney came. I am. I just. I, yes, I make no secret of the fact I'm not a Disney fan. Uh, my mother said when she lived just a few miles from Disney, as she, I asked her if she ever been there, and she said, "Why? Well, that's all fantasy." Um, it just ruined Florida from our point of view. You, you environmentalists who really care about the natural beauty of Florida, it went down the tubes when we brought in this big theme park thing, which came in very deceptively. Uh, they came in as independence uh, agents, well, going up to the rural owner and saying, well, I'd like to buy five acres, like to buy 10 acres, acted as if they were independent buyers. And then when it was all done, it was all stitched together in a big quilt and all the individual realtors worked for Disney. Uh, that was the first thing that didn't sit well. And that's how Disney kind of ripped off the landowners. Because up until that time, the land really wasn't quote unquote, worth much. We cattle grazed here. We had Kissimmee, which is Cowtown. Uh, we had to be uh, Silver Spurs Rodeo there. We had open range, probably all the way to Yeehaw Junction. And, you know, we were the, you know, only the hardy pioneer type people lived here in the central Florida area, south of Orlando. Of course, you had Orlando, which was a little bit more of a metropolis. But outside of that, you had rural life. And all of a sudden, you know, this thing came because they could get the land cheaply and they could get all these sweetheart deals. And that generation of political leaders rushed to that side of the ship to list it enough to tilt the, to, to tilt the thing in the favor of Disney. Now, you know, it's probably if Disney had stayed out of things politically, um, there would have been no, they would have not have drawn attention to themselves. But as I say, the theme of the show today is the worm turns. And when you push people far enough, and I've been predicting this for years, this is part of what the, the Trump phenomenon was. When you push people far enough with the people who are uh, out of touch and who are self-righteous, and, uh, and some of them are okay. I, was, I had, really didn't have all many problems with Bill Clinton's leadership and what he did. But, you know, his wife's another story. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying this on the political division. I'm saying this on, you know, the insiders and the outsiders. And what, what we have now is we have a Washington, D.C. that's run entirely by insiders. The, a quintessential example of which is Biden, who's never had a real job. So we've had these political favors going out across the country forever. Uh, so we're going to have a, 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 an opportunity to revoke that one. There are some others that are also impacted, uh, which you probably wouldn't be too much aware of, so I won't go into, but the big one is, of course, the quote-unquote magic kingdom, the worm turns. Um, there are some uh, attempts to rein in social media platforms, which I thought you might be interested in. 501.2041 provides that social media platforms must apply uniform standards. Uh, they notify, censored, or deplatform users. Well, that they've done. We've been notified a couple of times for using the B word or questioning the popular narrative about the election. Um, allow or, uh, allows users to make certain choices, uh, ensure posts by or about candidates for office in Florida are not shadow banned. Um, the um, ensure that journalistic enterprises are not censored or deplatformed. I suppose I need to report this under this new statute here. Florida legislature passed SB 7072. So, hey, maybe I got some protection at the state level here. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, the, uh, um, you know, we've talked about the theme park exclusion. 
So those are some of the things that have been uh, cited by Keith Perry's letter. The other thing which caught my eye today, which I thought you probably ought to have a discussion about with me, is not just the um, um, stuff that's going on in education and the theme parks and everything, but there is this, there is this above the fold, as we say in the, in the journalism world, above the fold in today's Gainesville sunset, there is a headline that says, doctors reject transgender advice, okay? Let me just wet my whistle here and let you think about that for a minute. Doctors reject transgender advice. And it says physicians across the state who provide care for transgender and gender diverse youth are pushing back in opposition to guidance released from the Florida Department of Health that recommends against providing support for transgender transition. And then it has a number. It says more than 250 physicians. Well, that's always kind of questionable when you say more than. Why don't you get us the number? If you know that there's more than 250, you must know what the number is. How many more than 250? Well, I guess we have to take it on face value and say that there are about 250 positions, uh, including many, many, no number, many, at the University of Florida College of Medicine who signed this letter objecting to the um, treatment of gender dysphoria for children and adolescents. Now, I looked at that number 250, uh, 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 and I, I, I wonder how many physicians are there in the state of Florida? Does anybody have the idea uh, how many physicians there are in the state of Florida? Well, according to official count, if you will, there's about 83,000, I'm going to say about, I'm going to give you the exact number, 82,939 physicians in Florida. 80, let's round it up, 83,000 physicians in the state of Florida. So I took a look at this article by this liberal newspaper written for a liberal community and tried to figure out what the real story was because the doctor friends I have say that your gender is established at birth and they need to know what it was at birth that they're gonna be able to treat you as physicians. So they're very much against messing with it for political reasons and putting other things on certificates and this and that one and another. But when I did the calculations, and I come up with uh, 250, and you have 82,939, it comes out to 0.003% of the physicians. And I, I said, I get, you know, I mean, what are they, what are they doing? What are they doing here? You know, so, I mean, come on, you can check these numbers yourself. Because they're mad at Lepato, 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 um, for the mask, all this COVID. See, they're mad, the liberals are mad uh, the paddle downplayed uh, the absolute um, unilateral endorsement of masks in all situations at the expense of the economy. And oh man, they're, they're saying that DeSantis corrupted medicine. Well, here they are, once again, coming back with the argument that politics are corrupting medicine. That's basically their argument. Well, let me, I did a little research here. And I don't want to share with you this article. Came out, I don't know when it was. It's in my Midnight Auto Yard of articles. This is back a while in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, yeah, quite a ways back, at least a couple weeks. And I kept it at the time. I didn't know what to do with it. It's by Stanley Goldfarb, who is a former associate dean of curriculum at the University of Pennsylvania's uh, Perelman School of Medicine. And now, mind you, it came out, this article came out a couple of weeks before 
this thing and the sunset came out today. But I kept this in the midnight auto yard, that which came out a couple of weeks ago, because I thought, yeah, I might use it sometime. It might make sense to me. Goldfarb said right up in the very beginning that healthcare is being infected. And he likes the he used the word infected, which I liked, which is a medical term, by the radical ideology that has corrupted education and public safety. Well, we know that. If you accept that as a premise, now, of course, the left won't accept it. They don't accept that they're radicals. They don't accept that they're ideologues. They don't accept that they're a godless community that believes in the state. They don't accept any of that. So what started the corruption, the, the shadow behind this article, I've determined, is what is at the heart of the corruption of the healthcare system, according to this insider, is that it's been accused of being systemically racist. Okay? Systemically racist. And he says, physicians have been attacked and accused of degrading minority trust in healthcare. You know, I have some experience with this. I listened to a presentation. Oh, I don't know, five, six, seven months ago. This physician shall remain unnamed. He's a black physician at the University of Florida Medical School. Very bright man, obviously. I would not suppose, hesitate to have him administer medical care to me. Make a presentation on how abused and exploited minorities are. And I'm thinking to myself, sir, Certainly, you're not talking about yourself. And you know, sir, I never thought of you. I'm just saying this to myself as I'm listening to it. And sir, I never thought of you as a minority until you called yourself one. Well, sir, I know your position at the University of Florida College of Medicine. And in the Shands healthcare system, I know. I know who you are. And I would never have thought of you as having been deterred or somehow subject to racism. Because obviously, here you are the very top of the, peak, the heap. And I thought, how sad that this gentleman who has gone through all this arduous education, the long apprenticeship of being a physician, being a respected physician, going to very excellent medical schools, doing residencies at respected places, still drags around with him I understand phobias, don't get me wrong. I, I, I know people have them and they can't shake them. So I really, my conclusion, I felt very sad for the gentleman because he was carrying a phobia. I guess that's the right word. He was carrying around this rock around his neck that he couldn't get off. And then, apparently, according to this writer of this article, those type of presentations have enough, have fostered enough responses that medical schools are increasingly preparing physicians for social activism. And he goes so far as to say at the expense of medical science. And I'm looking at this over here about this transgender thing. 
And I'm saying, well, I guess the shoe fits, you wear it. Now, here is the hidden problem. The Biden administration, according to this medical school dean, offers higher Medicare reimbursement rates to hospitals and physicians who create and implement an anti-racism plan. And now, looking back on it, I realize that that's what that esteemed black physician was doing. Perhaps. Let me put a perhaps in here. Was helping build the acceptance of the implementation in the hospitals of an anti-racism plan in order to make more money from the government for the hospital. And the problem here, and the reason this fits my title, The Worm Turns, this article of the Gainesville Sunset has 250 physicians. There are 83,000 physicians in the state of Florida. Why are they quiet? Why are the other doctors at the medical system here in our community quiet? Because they fear, according to this dean, they fear the social justice, and the dean in his article uses the word mob. Mob. Destroying their careers. They fear the mob. So you, you, you know, I, I present this to you, and you are grown-up people. You can make your own decisions about uh, what you're uh, exposed to and what you are witnessing, and how all that works. But uh, it certainly doesn't pass the smell test for me. That article certainly doesn't pass the smell test. Well, 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 well. Let's do this. We're going to play you something here. That is the Twitter takeover. I think we're ready. I think production has got it queued up. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, a summary uh, we found, and it's published out there. I think we found it on Breitbart, who had collected it up, of media responses to must take over of Twitter. Are y'all ready for this? Are we ready for this production? We're going to run it. We'll probably run it a couple of times. It's funny. I think it's funny, but you may not think. I think it's funny. Twitter shares are rallying this morning. Take a look up almost 5% right now as we learn the social media giant is finally coming to the table with Elon Musk. A deal reportedly could come as early as today. So, of course, corporate media, which exists to stifle the views of individual Americans, hates the idea, and their first move is to mock it. Musk offered to buy Twitter for $43 billion in cash. Oh, my God. He could do so much with that money, uh, address world hunger, fix climate change. Elon Musk is a danger to Twitter and to freedom of speech. I, I just, it, my tummy meter says there's something just not great about this. It is diabolical. He is going to take over Twitter and change the help. How the whole place works. Mm -hmm. Hashtag afraid of Elon. He has been known to say some of the most transphobic and homophobic things to his millions of followers. So creating an arena for hate, to me, that's what that sounds like. I'm trying to imagine any other context where a publicly traded company has seen a customer use their product to break federal law and try to destroy the lives of innocent people and then add that person to the board. So if he doesn't like how a corporation operates, he just buys it? Elon Musk is a robber baron. They're terrified. They know he creates toxic work environments. They've had all these meetings about it inside Twitter. Everybody's freaking out. But um, Elon doesn't care. You know, Elon is mostly doing this because it amuses him. I think that Elon Musk buying Twitter or creating this quote unquote arena would be problematic. 
me included, everyone is so excited that Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter. Like, yes, the great one. Yeah. He's the super intelligent leader type character right. that seems to have great ethics and morals too. Having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. Well, there you are. We'll probably run that again in a second, but by golly, it is really funny. Uh, those people who are going off the rails about this. Let's talk about Elon Musk. I've, I've, I've talked to people, bright people, very bright people. Bright people say he's the brightest of all the people. This guy is really smart. And I was talking over this last night with a friend of mine. It's almost biblical to me, the title of the show today, uh, The Worm Turns. It's almost biblical because... You know, in the Bible, there are always these, these whirlwinds and the Old Testament and out of this dust comes a leader and and this leader becomes profoundly influential. And it seems as if it's a band of the people. And, and, you know, one of the first things as a little kid when I was reading the Old Testament that I was fascinated by of the imagery, the imagery of the work and um, the harshness of the land and um, the, the winds and things that would create these kind of responses and needs and fulfilled needs. Uh, and this is kind of what's in my head as I think of Musk and DeSantis and these people. You know, out of the dust and the whirlwind of cultural confusion and need, they'll, they'll come leaders. Look at Zelensky in Ukraine, who was a comedian, who is standing up to the Russian takeover. The Russian empire is practically being faced down by Zelensky alone. It's, it's in, in, you know, and here we've got Musk, who finally has had enough. I just uh, saw flash across my screen while I was talking here. 746 times um, the media has protected Biden, shut down any criticism of him. This is an article in the Epoch Times. I haven't, uh, I haven't looked at it, but it's flashed across my computer screen 746 times uh, it's happened it's it's no it, it, it's not it's not news to people um it's um but the big big deal here it's got the left really concerned is people really believe and it perhaps it's so that uh, uh tweets decide elections and this is what twitter was really afraid of when it was in the hands of the bearded hippie guy, is that if they let Trump back on there, they would not have any chance of holding on to their ideology through the next successive elections because he would have a platform. So they were going to deny him that platform. Now, of course, we know Trump's initial response. Uh, uh, he's got his own platforms. He says he's not going to join this one. It won't matter. It won't matter because um, others can talk about him once Musk takes it over and not be censored. It's really, we need about five more Musk, don't we? To buy Facebook, to buy YouTube, and make these things. Listen, I, I pulled out of the, uh, out of the, out of the definitions here uh, just to conclude the show today real quickly. Uh, this is the YouTube uh, election integrity censorship. They call election integrity misinformation. If you claim that a candidate only won a swing state, and if you claim that due to voting machine glitches, they'll censor you. If you claim that dead people voted in numbers that changed the outcome, they'll censor you. If you claim that fake ballots were dumped, uh, what we're talking about, ballots harvesting, they'll censor you. If, um, if you claim that there was a beep or glitches that changed the outcome, such as the ones we found here in the jail, they'll censor you. So this is all under their quote unquote election integrity policy. So um, this is obviously not sit well with a guy like Musk. So uh, there we are, my friends. The worm turns. Have a great day. We appreciate you listening and viewing and we'll be back tomorrow with a great show. I'll announce it later on today on Facebook. What all command center out.